It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the podcast for this Thursday. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. After a night in which... The two teams of area interest, UC and Xavier, win games that they were on the brink of losing literally at the same time on the clock and almost almost the same way. Seven minutes apart. How crazy is that? It was unbelievable. The, the odds are, I mean, that feels almost impossible. Yeah. 4.4 4 seconds left. Troy Copain nails a jumper to put UC up two. They hold on to win. Seven minutes later. Of real, of real, of real time. time. Yes. Of real time. Seven minutes later, Trayvon Blewett hits a pull-up jumper with 4.4 seconds left to put Xavier up two, and they hold on to win as well. Now, UC's win at least came without Tulsa getting off a shot. Xavier's win on the other hand Oof. came with people having to hold their breath and watch a shot rim out. It was dead silent for that half a second or whatever that ball was in the air. It was, in, it was insane because the gym had been rocking for a good like two or three minutes. Xavier's playing well. It's the first time the gym had been alive all night and it had kind of a continued momentum and buzz around it. And then that shot hits the air and everything just went dead silent. I can, I can believe it. I, I mean, when it, you know, it's always hard on TV to tell whether a ball, you knew it was at least online for it, sure. It was it, online. It looked in and with the way end of game situations have gone for Xavier, I think this year, I think everyone was thinking, oh no. Yeah. Well, we'll touch on Xavier's secondary today. Let's start on UC where they, they were dead in the water. I mean, it really appeared that way. That there was six, min- was six minutes to go. They weren't generating enough offense. They were not going to generate enough offense to get back They were getting out-toughed. They were getting out-toughed on the glass. There's no question. But we, we've talked about this a little bit. And last year it was the theme of how, how are they going to find a way to lose. Yeah. This year it's been they keep finding ways to win. And you can argue that there is some – let's face it, there is some level of luck involved. I mean, the yeah. shot, the, the kid shot from Seton Hall is a, a centimeter from going in. I mean, there is still an element of luck to all of this in end-of-game situations. But when UC was dead in the water – they get a defensive play from Jacob Evans for a dunk. They then get a, uh, I think it was a stop or turnover, but it ended up being a, a, a trailer three to Jacob Evans that all of a sudden it went from nine, where it looked like they're not getting back to nine, to four in an instant. And Okay, four is very doable. Yeah. And I think that's where we've, we've all talked about is somebody's making a play. And for that little spurt, Jacob Evans, who did not have a great offensive game, for a little spurt, made yeah. a big play defensively and then made a big jump shot. Kyle Washington played terrible most right. of the game, was in foul trouble, and he scored six points in that closing stretch. Um, Troy Copain didn't have a great game, and he scores the final five points. I mean, it just somehow they flipped the switch. Tulsa didn't score a field goal in the final 558, and they were able to put together a 12 to 1 run and win the game. It, They didn't play well enough to win outside of the – there was about a five-minute stretch in the first half they played well, and a six-minute stretch in the second half. They literally played well for 11 minutes, and they won the game. When when teams have done this a few times in the course of a year, the old find a way to win, they do find a way to win. I mean, it's not just UC. It's it's teams universally. They find a way. Well, and I think that's the thing. When you see it once or twice, you're right. There's luck involved and all that, and that that can always happen throughout these games. But what I think you see is when it happens continuously throughout a year for a team – one, it's confidence. Your guys expect to make the play. They know they're going to make the play. They expect to win in those situations. I think that's what we're seeing from UC. Absolutely. And then two, when you're a better team, you like you make those plays. You get the big yeah. stop. You like that stuff is being good. It's not it's, being lucky. It's man. what you said last year. It wasn't luck that they kept losing. 
all of those games by one point. Right. They weren't playing well enough to win those games. Yeah. And, and, and like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, if a guy throws in a full-court shot, that is bad luck. Right, yeah. You're in that position all the time against teams you shouldn't be in that position. Right. This year, they haven't done that to themselves. And then when they do do it occasionally, like this They claw this themselves game, out. Then they have the confidence to say, you know, we're better than this. And they finish. Who has gotten three more fortuitous roles in his career than, than Troy Copain. He got one in the Purdue game when, when he was a sophomore in the NCAA tournament to force overtime, the, the three Xavier against game. Xavier, and then this one, that again, it went bounce, bounce. And you know what's funny? As I'm watching it, I'm like, it's going in because yeah. it's, what, it's what he does, but there is an element of luck to that, just a little bit. In fairness, he's earned them this year. No doubt. He's had a lot of bad bounces earlier this year against him yeah. on the shot. It's a good point. I, but that kid, I mean, is there, there definitely hasn't been under Mick a more clutch guy. No, well, it's crazy too, and I I, just, I have to say this because I have railed against him going to that one four isolation with Troy now late he's up. in games this year, um, because I just think you have so much better options on offense, and you're better moving the ball with guys like Jacob and Kyle, and yeah. I mean, you have more options this year. But right there, I mean, it's paid off. That's why he's been going to Troy, obviously. Well, and, and it's the the difference is he's not getting too deep. And trying to put up a contested shot against four bodies in a stacked box. And a bunch of arms, yeah. And a bunch of arms. I mean, that's where he was getting himself in trouble. He would get to three feet, and everybody on the defense knew that's where he was going. And they were just loading up and waiting for him there. Now he's just pulling up and banging a 15, 17-footer like it's nothing. Yeah, like we, three like the Xavier game. Yeah, yeah. we talked a little bit before the podcast started. In theory, he took the shot probably too early, but yeah. the guy had backed off so far. He, it was there. It was wide open. What, a foul line jump shot or a step yeah, above a foul 17. line jump shot? Yeah, you've got to take that in that circumstance. And obviously he drained it. I, I did think this, and, and there were times, and I know he tries to get people involved, and I know he hasn't shot the ball great all season long, but there were times I thought he should have shot a little bit more last night against that, against that zone. Yeah, I mean, you kind of always feel that way with him, but that's just how he's playing this year. I mean, he's trying to get everybody going, and then when it's time for him to get going himself, he, he turns it on a little bit. I mean, he made a couple... Uh, when they made that fourteen to two run in the first half, he made a couple threes. Right, and that's where and, that's right. When I see that, it's like, all right, you're, you're going to have to be the guy here. And they're in. in it, it, I'm not here to tell you take contested bad. Yeah, out, I know what you're out saying. of the offense I mean, there's, shots. There were times I thought, man, step in and shoot that because you're more than capable of doing it. Yeah, you know what though? I'll give him some credit for it because earlier in the year he was struggling to score and to make shot. Well, mainly to make shots, not as much score. He would find yeah. a way to get some points, but he didn't make jumpers. And once he's so it was easy to be a distributor then and defer then when you're you don't have confidence in your shot. But he started to make big shots and he hasn't changed who he is. He's no. kept the, the chemistry going on offense and he deserves credit for that, I think. Yeah, and for the last couple of weeks he's looked like a first team all conference player. Yeah, right. And it's been a huge difference for the team. Well, de- de- defensively, um, more matchup zone last night? Yeah, a lot of it. Um Warriors they they started in man to man and and Tulsa's quick. I mean they've They've got a really good sophomore point guard, and uh, they got some guys that can beat you off the bounce. And they were attacking and playing downhill and using their quickness. And um, that's they jumped out 9-0 to start the game and, and had a nine-point lead for most of the first half. And Cincinnati went to the matchup zone, and, and that really kind of threw them off. It's interesting now because they haven't really used it. I mean, they've used it in small spurts. They haven't really used it much this second portion of the season. Um, probably really since a game or two into conference play. Um, and you could tell Tulsa it wasn't something that they had really prepared for because they had been playing so much man-to-man. And it threw them off for quite a while. And it's interesting because Tulsa plays matchup zone. Like, right. they play a lot of right. it. Uh, but Cincinnati plays it a little bit different the way that Mick teaches it. 
And maybe, maybe they play it because he put it in practice one day and they couldn't score against it. He went, yeah. well, okay. <laughs> this is, we do this pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I think one is we've seen the matchup zone be really successful under Mick. That's kind of been his go-to defense for the most part, especially the last few the last years. Two, two yeah. years prior to this, it was pretty much what they played exclusively. Right. And, and so, um, one, I think obviously we know they've been very successful in that. And that could be an interesting wrinkle. And then, two, watching them on film before the Xavier game, the one thing I saw is a lot of the conference opponents, I think they have a better feel for them, have started to, instead of trying to do ball screens and stuff, where they know they're going to switch in the man-to-man and the ball screens are going to be rendered useless because UC's so good at switching those and being yeah. able to defend you still, they've gone to just more open it up and isolate a, a Troy Copain, a Gary Clark, a Justin Jennifer when he's on the court, the guys that aren't the strongest on-ball defenders for UC. And so I think maybe that's sort of what we're seeing from Mick is he's yeah. really like, and I said, let's counter with going back to matchup zone. Well, I mean, it's we talked about in years past that – I think the matchup zone is a great changeup. It's a great curveball. Mm-hmm. It's a great number two. But they didn't have a one back then. And it, it was personnel dictated. They didn't. He knew they couldn't play man-to-man with the group that they had for Farad Cobb and right. Octavius Ellis and Coriante DeBerry. You're not going to be able to play a switching man-to-man in that. Now they've got the fastball, and they've got the number two. You know, So it, it'll be interesting to see as teams continue to try to isolate and attack because it makes sense um, if they continue to, to use that as a change-up and, and keep teams off balance because it's, it's a deadly combination. Like we, said, like we said, coming in when they first started using the man-to-man a lot, they're a top-15 defense in the matchup zone, and they're a top-5 defense in the man-to-man. And now if you're using them both, you know, at different times, it messes teams up. Well, especially against different personnel. As you yeah. mentioned, if somebody's beating you off the bounce, don't be stubborn about it. Yeah. Just figure out a way then with the matchup zones to, to keep them from getting to the rim. And yep. It is. It's a great thing to, to be able to do that and a smart thing to be able to do that. Don't be so stubborn. Yep. Don't always be a zone guy. Don't always be a man guy. Whatever you can do be to a win the game guy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. One guy I do want to talk about that's struggling a little bit, and he had been shooting the ball really well is Kevin Johnson. It's what now three – Three games where he struggled so, to, 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 sh- to shoot it. Um, anything you can attribute it to, or just a, just a three game rough patch? Just a guy that's hot and cold. When he when he gets in a rhythm and he starts feeling it, he's a guy that that can hit forty five percent, forty forty five percent. When he goes cold, he goes ice cold. Yeah, I mean, there's no in between with him really. There's no. You know, his average says thirty four percent or thirty three thirty four percent or whatever it is over his career, but that's just a string of. Twenty-two percent and forty-two percent. Correct. Meeting in the middle. Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah, it's been it's a, it hasn't been a consistent number no, for sure, no, no. doubt. Uh, UC next plays uh, UConn on Saturday at four o'clock. Are you going to go make sure that you uh, see Kevin Ollie before the game and tell him how much you respect him as a coach? I, I am. I'm going to shake his hand and tell him I think he does a great job. I just want to make sure. What can you tell us about the UConns? Still enough talent to to be dangerous. They've still got Jalen Adams. They've still got Rodney Purvis. Amina Brima looks lost right now. I don't know what is going on with him. They got a couple freshmen that have have been, you know, playing a little bit better for him. Um, but offensively, it just hasn't clicked for them. I mean, that's they don't go in three, four minute droughts. They go in nine minute, nine minute yeah, droughts. They do, no I doubt. Mean, they're still really good defensively. I mean, that's you know that's kind of been their calling card and. The, you know they can still slow you down. I, I think they're going to be a lot more of a problem up there than they are here. 
because uh, Cincinnati's just played incredibly well at home at Fifth Third Arena. No doubt about it. Uh, on the road, they've struggled a little bit. Yeah, I mean, offensively, the numbers yeah. are, 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 I mean, they're almost eye popping to see the yeah. drastic differential. Um, we'll talk about this more next week, but UC does have UConn, then they play Central Florida in the middle of, of next week, and then next Sunday, a week from Super Bowl Sunday, they do SMU. play at SMU, and it really is setting up for a showdown where UC should probably come in undefeated in the league, and SMU will probably still have that one loss. In the I, league. I really hope UC is undefeated going into that game. Like, it would. It would really put a damper on things. I mean, yeah. like, really, if they're not undefeated going into the game, surprising. then they don't have, like, there's not much fun to watch the rest of Correct. the season for the, for the casual fan. I mean, UC fans are still going to be really excited. Yeah. But, like, the outsider looking in, that's the one game you circle left on UC's schedule in the regular season. Like, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, SMU just passed them in Ken Palm. SMU's 16 in Ken Palm. Yeah, now. And, well, and the, and the goofy part of this is as well as things are for UC, if, if, you, if you would lose before that in either one of the games, I don't think they will. Even after that, really for for SMU, they could they could if they beat UC, they'd be sitting there hanging on the one yeah. loss, and UC is going to have to if they lose to SMU, have to hope for help. Hope for yeah. And who really? I mean, anything can happen on the road no on doubt. any given night. But who really? There's nobody in this conference you look and think they're going to beat SMU or Cincinnati. No, I no, I thought Tulsa would be a tough game because yeah. they've played pretty well and it's on the road, and UC's gone. You know, had the rough game last week, but again, yeah, it, it just where it is on the schedule, it looked like a tough, tough yeah. spot. It didn't end up being that way, but there just aren't. There are a lot of not a lot of games where you're like. Oh boy, we got to go there and there. Holy cow! Yeah, and I'd have to look at SMU, and I can probably do it here quickly. But I can't imagine because they've they've already played the toughest team at on the their road, place. Yeah. So there's there's nothing else tougher out there. I mean, they've got Tulsa Saturday um, at home at Tulsa at Tulsa. Okay, that'll be a challenge, you know. Um, but really, I mean, it's a two horse race. I don't think there's no doubt. Any, I mean, it, any it, question about it? And if you haven't seen them, watch them. Yeah. they are really fun to watch. They play. Incredibly hard. They've got dudes that can shoot. They've got skill. They've got size. Everybody is six six to six nine. Um, they're a fun team to watch if you haven't seen them play. Yep. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's touch on uh, Xavier's I, win Rick, last night. Rick just zones out when we talk AAC. Like you, it, it's, <laughs> it's like the ashen face. <laughs> I mean, it, it's either that or like look up the stats and and, and, and shoot down how good he's talking about these teams being. That's a good so call. Like, only, I just go ahead and let him. Okay. Let yeah, him only, gush over them. The only team I said was good was SMU, and they're good. Yeah, they are good. I know. A few weeks ago, we were talking about how great Tulane was offensively, but I said they had a good couple weeks, and they did. And they are bad defensively, so whatever they do offensively is washed away completely by the other end of the floor. Anyway, I think they were still ranked like 196 offensively when he said that. Just for the record, yeah, but, but they, better's better. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I know, but he should have. This better, is why I zone out. Better, better, better <laughs> can be better can out. be better for sure. Uh, for Xavier, obviously coming off the Edmund Sumner injury news. Um, it, Hit him with it. It was a flip of the coin. I mean, it was Hit a, him with it. It was a flip of the coin. Hit him with what? They better without Ed. I don't know if they're better without Ed. They're, <laughs> they're, they're different though without Ed. And I, well, I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. But. Really, for a team that was kind of teetering, and then suddenly you get hit right at the end of the first half. I thought going to halftime, I thought, boy, oh boy, this this doesn't look. Now, granted, being at home helps you a ton, but it just like the way the first half ended, I didn't have a very good feeling about about Xavier. Yeah, you had to be discouraged because I thought they had played a really good first half, just hadn't been able to score enough and take advantage of the offensive opportunities. They missed a bunch of bunnies around the rim again, and then they went to the zone, which helped them get on a yeah. run. It, it got them a lead, two and three then, zone. A, yeah, two three zone, which they haven't played this year. Except for underneath out of bounds plays a few times, um, like against Creighton. 
Um, but then Miles Powell, freshman sharpshooter who's been struggling with his shot all year, comes to the game for Seton Hall and catches fire because he got a couple open from ones in the zone. deep. Man, yeah, that that's kid. him. I mean, that's he, him. He, he, I thought he was the best shooter in this class. Yeah, no, no question to me. I mean, we watched him a hundred times, and we watched Miles Powell a ton. He reminded me a lot of Miles Davis, yeah. honestly. I mean, just very simple player. A stocky guard who doesn't have the measurables you'd like for a Big East guard, but can really shoot and then has enough game and, and know he's how. He's got more wiggle and like shake to him than you think he does. Yeah, and he's got a little bit bigger body too yeah. than Miles does, so he has a few advantages, but um, very Man, similar. He can shoot. And so just because his percentage said they were shooting 32% for the year, I knew, like, when Xavier went zone, everyone knew. Xavier knew that was the guy they had to find. Well, and then, and he got and, and then like any good shooter, you hit a couple and you start to really decide, I'm, I'm, throw it in the ocean. I'm just going to keep firing this thing up. For guys like that, once they get a couple down, it, they're a completely different player. Now, I wish I could remember the sequence because, again, I was flipping back and forth. But I know there was a time, and I think it was him that hit it. I, I'm pretty sure it might have been Rodriguez, because, but he didn't hit a lot, obviously. He was, what, two of the seven, two of eight, something like that. Yeah. But I think it was him where Chris took a timeout and then slammed, the, uh, slammed his board down. Well, I think I think you're talking about the one right at the end of the half, right? I guess it was the half. Maybe yeah, that's he the one. just called a timeout, screamed at him, saying, don't, don't let lose him, him get right. open. Okay. And then he gets open at the buzzer right before the half, and Chris just lost again yeah, in the locker okay. room. That was we the could one hear there. him peeling paint from the media room at halftime. Um, so it was, you know, like I said, I'm sure if you're a Xavier, you had to feel really discouraged because you did play a half. You didn't deserve to be down four or five, whatever it was at half. Um, and then... But that being said, like I thought they did a really good job of making adjustments. The two three zone worked. It was a great adjustment. And it was ranged out. And then when Miles Powell started hitting shots, they adjusted and then got back into it and found a way to get stops back in the man to man and and doing other things to to shadow him a little bit better. But um, I thought there were good adjustments made all around. The biggest story to me was Quentin Gooden. They're, they're not lost running a freshman point right, well, for 35 minutes. Since, since you jumped to there, we'll, we'll, we'll go to there. He, he is obviously a different player than, than Edmund Sumner um, because Ed, when he gets to the lane, really does look to score a lot. Now you look and you can say, well, Quentin took 11 shots last night, and he did, and he only made a couple of them. But I really think when he gets in the lane, he's looking to find somebody to flip it to more, more than Ed. And that's not a knock on Edmund. I mean, Edmund's averaging, what, five-something assists a game. But it just, I just, it just, they just feel different. Yeah, and I mean, I think, again, going back to the beginning of the season, we talked about last year everyone was like, can Edmund even be a point guard? Right. This year it was Edmund supposed to be an NBA first-round pick who was going to be a star on offense. So he was looking to get buckets, and that te- this team needed that from him. Um, Quentin saw, hey, there's three guys in front of me that are all taking a lot of shots trying to be the guy. When I get in there, and again, Chris preached this to him, I need to be a distributor. I need to be passing and setting guys up. So he's taking that mentality. He was going overboard with it in his limited role before. Now that he's on the court for 30 minutes, he doesn't have an option. Teams are going to just right. not play him if he doesn't ever attack. And I think what he found out last night was he can get in the lane against almost anybody because of his, his build and his athleticism. So um, he made some incredible passes last night in clutch, clutch moments. I mean, when Xavier hit their biggest deficit of the game down six with, a, I think it was 11 or 12 minutes to go there, he came down the floor, drove the lane, hit that little runner. Out, no, dished out this the one, Kaiser okay. Gates for yeah, a three. Right. The very next possession, they got a stop. He came down, drove the lane, did the no look pass to Sean O'Mara for a dunk, and then the next play, he gets a steal, gets fouled in transition, and makes two free throws. And like all of a sudden, he's completely flipped the game by himself in that stretch. And, and Kaiser Gates made some really big plays during that stretch as well. Yeah, I mean, he goes three or four on threes, hit and scores thirteen points. But I do want to talk about O'Mara because he has struggled mightily, and it's been talked about ad nauseum. How much does a guy like Quentin help him more than maybe Ed does just because when Ed's in the lane, you're thinking shot. Maybe now when Quentin's in the lane, you're thinking i got to be looking for the basketball and be ready to finish quickly. Yeah, well, but that was the biggest thing is 
Sean's had opportunities early in the year when Edmund Ed was got playing, him in basketball, and he wasn't ready to finish on those occasions. Last night, he was dunking on people yeah. with authority and playing above the rim. I don't know what to like how you figured that out. I don't. That doesn't make sense to me because where has that been all year? Right. If you can go dunk the ball like that. Why haven't you? Why have you been so uh, small around the basket? Why have you been getting blocked? Why have you been missing layups? Go dunk the ball and get fouled. Worst case scenario, if you go and gather yourself and try to finish the way he did last night, you're successful. If you're Sean O'Meara, we saw him last year score against Ethan Happ in the Wisconsin game in the NCAA tournament. We saw him last year score against Angel Delgado and other Big East centers that were legit big men. It was weird this year that he struggled so much to finish. And maybe this will get him going. I'm not. I mean, it's one game. It's right? one game, right? Yeah, I mean, right. But it, it, it's in there. I think. I don't think he like lost the ability to finish around the rim. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't think so either. But he, you're right. He has not. And a lot of times, it's been going up soft and trying to lay it up and in and not yeah, finishing through contact. Guy. Yeah, as opposed to last. You mentioned last night taking it going. I'm throwing it down. And if you want to stop me, good for you. I think maybe it's just slowing down. Where last night he was catching the ball, gathering and going up as hard as he could and dunking. Yeah. Whereas before he was like trying to out quick a, a guy who he felt was longer. Get off the floor. Get off the maybe. floor quicker. Yeah, maybe. And it's something we talked about last night that I want to hit on. I, I think this is a good sign for Xavier because they. I don't think that they've played poorly in getting to where that they are. Correct. I think they've continued. We've talked. They've continued to play hard. They've maybe been a little careless at times with the basketball and had some, you know, trying to maybe force some things or whatever the case may be. But I don't think their effort level has suffered. Suffered. I don't think that their attention to detail has suffered. I think that they've put themselves outside of the Villanova game. They've put themselves in position to win a lot of these games, and they just haven't been able to, to finish the deal. We've talked about a lot of reasons why. Maybe it was because every game last year was a blowout, yeah. you know, well, whatever yeah. the case may be. But it was nice to see them get the reward for for playing hard, sticking with it, and then being able to close the game and get the win because they just haven't been able to get over that little hump. And I think to your point, it goes along with what you're saying. They've played pretty well in most aspects of the game. The offense just never never came out to the expectations yeah. people had for it. Like it never hit that stride. They don't look – it doesn't look like – last year you would watch four minutes of Xavier and you would just be like, damn. They move the ball. They can shoot. Damn. Scored from, scored from everywhere. Yeah, and, and, and that hasn't happened this it year. It just never happened. And it was reasonable to expect that it could because the three main guys from that group last year that made that ball movement and those shots and everything were back. It just never clicked. And I think at this point of the season, you just have to say, clearly they weren't going to be that team. They're not that team. But what they have been this year is pretty consistently tough, and, and they give a good effort, and they're focused, and they defend they're, well. They're playing like UC, and UC well, is playing years. like Xavier. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. <laughs> it, that, that's the truth. Uh, how much can Ky- the game Kaiser Gates play last night help him? And obviously, he now becomes a little bit of an X factor offensively because of his ability to make shots. Totally. I wrote about that last night that I just think Kaiser Gates, to me, is the most interesting player on this team right now. I know everyone else would probably say Quentin Gooden because he's got such a new role. Well, and he's, and he's stepping into a huge role. Yeah, it's so important. But for me, like, it's unfair to ask Ed, uh, um, to ask Quentin to exceed what like Edward Correct. was giving you, or give you like yeah. a new source. Of Just be a first round pick. Kid. Didn't have. Yeah. So <laughs> now, like, that's now. unrealistic to say he's the upside. You know that he could make this team better replacing Edmund. But Kaiser Gates, like, people had high expectations for him coming into this year because he played well last year in a very limited role. He didn't ever get the role that people expected for him this year because he started behind the eight ball with the knee scope. 
Malcolm Bernard entered the mix and provided some of the defense that people thought he would have to provide originally. And he just hasn't played all that well. He hasn't shot yeah. as well as we expected. But last night he played 31 minutes, which is like as much as he's really yep. ever played in his career. And he played with confidence on offense. He didn't shoot as many times as I think he could. But no, but he was I, four I, for five. I think I've seen him take some shots where I've gone, "What are you? What? Why?" I mean, last night though, every one of those shots was, was really great. good. Shot. It always yeah. helps when they go in. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it makes but, you look much better. But there's much a better. difference between a, ba- a, a four shot and Correct. a rhythm shot. Correct. And I, I thought mean, he took huge them all in rhythms. But in addition to just stepping in and knocking down open jump shots, he had took a charge. Re- he had eight rebounds. Took a charge. Took, I mean, I guess. Uh, he had eight rebounds after having nine in 19 minutes against St. John's on Sunday. And um, he also, on offense, at one point, he put made a nice entry pass to Rashid Gaston in the post. Then when his man turned and looked to dig down, he cut right past him, got a layup going to the rim and finished at the rim, which is something he just we've never really seen him shoot two-pointers in any yeah. shape or form. So him just looking to be more engaged and a more active offensive player, to me, is really interesting because that's a guy at 6'8 with length, athleticism, and his the, the, if you occasionally if, if you occasionally do dive to the rim, you should be able to finish. Well, he, he can just do a lot of different right. things for you. So to me, he's a guy that could potentially be a guy that averages 12 points a game and six or seven rebounds and defends really And that's well. where you're not thinking of, i got to replace Edmonds 15 points. You're thinking of, I've got to replace an extra three or four points because Quinton's going to give you eight to 12. So it's not suddenly the difference isn't a huge difference if he take, takes a chunk of that. Right. Kaiser is new upside, right? Like Correct. He gives you something that you weren't otherwise getting that you're not expecting to replace necessarily. Correct. All right, next for Xavier. And they are now tied for second in the loss column in the uh, in the Big East and, and uh, just a game out of first place, a game and a half overall. But again, out in the loss column. They do play, obviously, though, a big game at Creighton, which is kind of um, after the injury to Mo Watson, they've they've kind of righted themselves a little bit. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's it's a more winnable game now, but going to Creighton is really, really right. difficult. That's a, that's a buzzsaw type place to play. And this Creighton team clearly proved over the weekend that they're not a slouch just because they lost to right. Watson. I mean, they needed to figure some things out and get it going, but and they're going to be back and forth. I mean, they're not going to be as good without him consistently, but when they start hitting shots, that offense can they've still... They've still got dudes that can play. They can still really score, and they've got I mean, they've got a great coach. Yeah. I think Greg McDermott does a really good job. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. That game is uh, on Saturday at 3 see, o'clock. See, Brian, we do like some coaches. Yeah, well, he like he likes Creighton. Anything Creighton. Yeah, I mean, Creighton. Yeah, I mean, so that doesn't I mean count. he gets Omaha steaks delivered to his house all the time because of Creighton. I mean, you know, he, it's it's all it's it's all about it's all about the J. Now there's an endorsement on down. You like that? Yeah. Do, do you do you do you go to the Omaha steak store? Do you have the guy show up like with him in the back of his truck? Just to talk good things about Creighton. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've been to his, to his house. I've seen the truck there. Which gets me free steaks sent faster. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say good things about Creighton? I've got like 600 Twitter followers. You don't you don't want that type of publicity? <laughs> well, you got more than that. I know, but you're a big baller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in many ways. In many ways. No question about it. I right, switch gears and talk a little uh, Kentucky, which did play. Um, Tuesday night without De'Aaron Fox, and it got to the point where John Calipari, who just hates to go zone, had to go zone, and it, you know, again, I I get why you want to be a man guy, I do understand all that, but occasionally you just, you can't cut your nose off to spite your face, if you got to play that way, you got to play that way. If you can't stop him, then you know you clearly can't stop him, go to something that stops him. You know what they kind of remind me of? When they played that zone, 
was the West Virginia team that beat them. The wall yeah. cousins. They just looked they, so long yeah. and or, like or like the Syracuse to, title team or Yeah, we're we're literally baseline to baseline. It almost looks like an arm touches one out of bounds yeah. line and another arm touches the other out of bounds and line. So, and they connect in the middle. Right. They're so bad at defending ball screens because of their four men. Their four men are so bad on the ball and they have so many other breakdowns in the man to man that it's just like if you just take the thinking out of it and just make them all be long and athletic, they're going to get beat baseline too much and stuff because that's just what their four men do. Yeah. But that that two three zone looked like a wrinkle that they may have figured something out with. Yeah, and and wait till you get Fox back playing the top of it with with Monk. That's the thing. I mean, but that being said, Dominic Hawkins is a pretty yeah. nice defender to have on the top of that zone too. He just can't turn it to offense as fast as Fox can. Yep. I, I will say uh, Malik Monk. Just he makes so many tough shots and so many big shots. I just wonder though. We've talked about this. Can you go an entire six games hoping in a tournament that he's going to keep bailing you out and bailing you out and bailing you out and bailing you out? Not much of a choice, is there? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Here's the thing: During Is there anybody else in the country that you would want in that game? I honestly like, and this is crazy to say because it's Malik Monk, but I honestly thought like. I might consider going to Briscoe or Adebayo again here because they had been really controlling well, he, that last he, few minutes. We, we talked about this last week. We both didn't think they've gone to Adebayo as much Enough. as they should this year. I thought they did a better good job of trying in the Georgia game, of trying to get the ball in yeah. and playing through him. Now, obviously, he had foul trouble, so yeah. that made it hard. I, I will give them this. I mean, when you're down 12. listens. When, when, when you're down yeah, 12, he's a big fan nothing. Of the podcast. Oh, he loves the podcast. Yeah. I mean, he's writing it. It's, it's literally letters. Cal podcast. He listens to himself. KSR, and then us. Yeah, that's, no, his, that's that, his rotation. That, that, that's his, that is his rotation for sure. Um, but I will give them credit. You know, you're down 12 nothing coming off the Kansas loss. You don't have your point guard. You do have a bunch of young guys playing. That could have been a meltdown on top oh, of a sub meltdown. Great, George is not great, but they got a couple of guys who can really play. <laughs> yeah, they got a couple dudes. Um, and they're probably an NIT-level team, so they're not like some dregs. But uh, I'll give them credit for being down 12 nothing and bouncing back that way. That was huge. If it was on the road, I would have felt pretty good about it for UK. The fact that it was at up, it's yeah. kind of like, eh, well, you, you really shouldn't have been in that situation. True. It, well, and then after being up or being uh, down 12, they got up, what, seven, I think, so it's at one point in the second half where it looked like they were actually going to take control and probably and then, win by double digits, and then they let the lead go yeah. away again. Um, but Kentucky still uh, just the one loss inside the, uh, the, the SEC, for goodness sakes. A um, couple other things I wanted to touch on was uh, uh, looking again at, at some stuff nationally. Uh, I got a chance to watch, watch your guy, Markel Fultz, a little bit last Ooh. night. But but uh, the the other game from last night, which is your favorite coach, let a what a seventeen point lead at home slip away despite a triple double. NC State blowing one to, to Syracuse. Holy cow! He stinks. And Indiana, his other favorite coach. They, they they that was lucky. I mean, that was lucky. They deserved to lose that game so many times. They did, and, and it, I know people are bashing the refs to some degree about the end of the the, the, the regulation where the guy makes the layup. That was so. I I, I could have watched that a thousand times with a blown up picture and still could have said, "Is that a shadow or is that his fingertips on the ball? What what is that? I mean, that was just impossible to call. That's just perfect proof that no matter how great our technology gets, there are still going to yeah. be plays that we just don't know. And that like, was one you just did. You couldn't tell. No. It was literally like a centimeter off his finger if it was off. To go back to NC State, did you happen to listen to the uh, McKernan show Monday? No, I didn't. They had Kyle Washington. Mick was sick. Oh, I didn't think. Okay, yeah. So they had Kyle Washington and Gary on, and there were. Kyle say some nice things about Godfrey. He threw some shade big time. <laughs> Basically saying, like, it was different when I came here because 
coach actually coaches and where I was before, he just kind of rolled the balls out like he threw some massive shade in that direction. I think that just confirms what you already know, right? Well, yeah, I've had this conversation with Kyle many times yeah. off the record. I just didn't know that he was going to go on a 50,000 watt. <laughs> that, that actually probably you could pick up in, in Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, and, and just take the torch to Mark Godfrey. Well, I was, I was, if the shoe fits, I, was, I, I, I would say I, that. I, I was sitting in my office with my headphones on laughing. I, yeah, no doubt. If the shoe fits, you, you got you to wear it. For I'm sure. going to guess Mark Godfrey doesn't listen to talk radio in, in that town. Probably not. That, that would probably, <laughs> be, probably avoids That would it. probably be wise. Obviously, another showdown from uh, from last night, Baylor in Kansas, and Kansas coming off that big win over Kentucky gets a gets another big win. But but he continues to show that Baylor, their two losses was at West Virginia. They just got blitzkrieged on a night where they threw yeah. the ball over the lot, and last night stood toe-to-toe with Kansas. They're good. Yeah. yeah I mean, Jonathan Motley. That's the thing. Is he a first-teamer? Second-teamer. All-American. I don't know, just because I'd have to figure out like who's the guys in in front of him. I mean, because yeah. it's by position, you know. What yeah. I mean? So like, is there someone? I can't think off the top of my head like who's going to be ahead of him. But he's as good as anyone in the country in the post to me. I mean, he's going to be a first round NBA pick, and I think he's going to be an impact guy as soon as he's in the NBA. I love his game. And, and your team, Iowa State, did not help help no. help your UC cause the other night, where they have West Virginia at home and very much in the game. It was a, it was a four point game with about eleven minutes to go. And next thing I that's, look up, it's a sixteen point game. That's been them all season, though. They they hang around and hang around, but they just don't have enough on that roster to get them over the hump, other than Monte Morris. Yeah, Monte um, Burton. But it's yeah. a two man team. Like where you go back to last year, you had. You know, four or five guys. Yeah, and, 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 and Niang was absurd. Niang was awesome, and Abdel Nader was a really good, you know, uh, complimentary piece. And you lose that, they just haven't been able to replace it. There you go. All right, uh, final take from you, my man. First, I want to thank Rick in a, in a sign of solidarity. Hang on, wait a minute. I'm going to. I feel like Henry Kissinger right now. I'm, I'm kind of negotiating some peace talks. They're shaking hands across the table. Kisses on each cheek. All right, go ahead and speak. He, he brought the uh, portable. Not my hand, Chad. <laughs> he brought the portable well, studio. That's a, that's a you all's issue, man. I'm not sleeping with you like that. Um, the, he brought the portable studio, and we did a live podcast from the signing day. Nice. Um, event yesterday at the University of Cincinnati. They let him on campus. They let him into the Bob Goen team room. Even though they've got his photo? Yeah. They let him in and, and, wow. and welcomed him and, and didn't kick him out. It was, it was a very nice gesture by Rick to help me out in that situation. You weren't at the Xavier signing day yesterday for the football? Oh, didn't. Sorry. Undefeated since 1978? 71. 71. And I also want to say Luke Fickle had maybe my favorite line of all time yesterday. Fire away. I, I, I actually really enjoyed this, too. He said, um, somebody asked him about recruiting rankings. And you know how coaches are usually. We don't pay attention to rankings. Luke Fickle said, if they're going to keep score, we want to win. I like it. I, I do love it. That's owning it. That's owning it. I love it. Well, because here's the stupid thing: is all the coaches they all know. Like, if when you, there's talk, one coach, when coaches talk to us, what's one of the first? What's he ranked? Who else is looking at him? Who else is recruiting him? And like, they act like they don't care. But then at the end of the day, they get mad when re- recruiting rankings rank their guy lower than they think they should be. They get mad when so and so's ranked ahead of them in team rankings. All that stuff they get mad about. But then they say because it doesn't it, matter. No one cares, and and they don't like it because it's still their evaluation process. Yeah. But you also want to have some confirmation of that too, and you want to be you want to look and go look. 
it's a funny part. If if a kid's a one star, two star kid, and, and and a high level team is looking at him, chances are he really isn't a one or two star kid, or vice versa. Right. I mean, look, they know, but there has to be a confirmation level too. Um, no, I'm not opposed to all of that either. I, I'm opposed to people that go get all out of sorts that don't know anything about these kids at all. Yeah. And go, how are we getting the 43rd best tackle, and they're getting the 20? Look, dude, we're talking semantics here. When you're talking to yeah. all these kids across the country, 23 to 97 doesn't amount to a hill of beans. I, I just, and the funny thing is, there's only one coach in the country that really doesn't pay attention to recruiting rankings, and it's the guy that coaches basketball at Cincinnati, McCronin. <laughs> genuinely has zero, and for for better or for worse, for the good or you know, and bad sometimes. Right. He genuinely doesn't look at them at all. And now Luke Fickle is in the the head football job and says, if they're keeping score, we want to win. Absolutely. Because you want that – I mean, if you want – Yeah. If somebody says your team was the the highest-ranked class in the American Athletic Conference your first year out of the box, you want to say, we're building on that, brother. And I'll tell you what, we were number one this year with just a short term. We're going to be number one forever. I just thought he came off really genuine yesterday because it wasn't wasn't like, oh, we're we're fake humble. You know, it wasn't like, oh, we're not trying to do that or we don't care about those things. We're just going to work hard to say, no, if they're going to track that, we're going to win that. And then we know it doesn't mean anything. We still have to make the players better. Right. And a five-star doesn't mean he's going to help our team. That's on us at that point. And we still have to develop the players. And no one's saying anything other than that. The only thing we're saying is if they keep score, we win. And that's period. And, and it's a one. culture I think it sets. It, it sets that tone yeah. in your program. I don't care what it is. We go out to win. Yeah, and he also said, "Look, we want our program out there. We're, I'm try- we're, there's a reason he's being nice to every media member, doing every single individual yeah. media opportunity he can do, and same thing with his coaches. And they're making them all available. They want that publicity, and he's being honest about it, saying, yes, we want. I don't feel like I have to be a used car salesman to sell this program. I believe in it. I believe in what I'm doing, and that's all it is. Well, and like that's refreshing to hear to, from, from my perspective. And I would tell you too, when you look at this stuff." Look, can can a five star kid be a complete whiff? Absolutely. Can yeah. you miss on a, on a kid who's a two star that becomes a first rounder? Sure. But when you look at it consistently over the years, at where teams and their recruiting classes are ranked, right? More times than not, just go back and look, and it it it, it eventually two, three, four, five years Absolutely. down the road rises to the top. Alabama was what number one for the fifth time in the last six years. Yeah. Is there a coincidence why they have, they've they've been playing in BCS title games? <laughs> Is there a coincidence and why their team looks like a, a farm, uh, NFL, NFL farm team yes, every year? Exactly. Have they missed? on probably a kid or two or five? Sure. Tons of them. Absolutely. If they had a kid where they've got five of them. Correct. That's where, no, I I, I think that's actually pretty good. No question. All right, Rick, how about a final take from you? Um, I don't really have much. The only thing I'll say is those throwback uniforms Xavier was wearing last night were sweet. Those are vintage Cincinnati Gardens, baby. Yeah, I mean those those look, those looked really good. And then you got UC on Saturday going to the '92 throwbacks, which, which for are the final sweet four too. Yeah, we got we got actually to see in person for the first time walking into the Linder Center yesterday. The short shorts? Uh, no, no, they they don't do the short shorts anymore. But uh, the Xavier ones were fantastic. The UC ones were fantastic. And did he get a little? Yeah, speaking of which, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're you know watching the, watching the end of the game and. All of a sudden, there was a little controversy because there was a little skirmish under the bucket with, what, 30-some-odd uh, seconds to go. And it, it looked ugly. Well, they're trying to sort it out at the monitor, and all of a sudden, they're, 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 they pan the camera over to where the officials came over to tell um, the TV crew, Bill Raftery and them. And all of a sudden, I see this this chucklehead just, like, stick his head in the picture like, hey, taking a selfie? Let me in. It turned out it was one Rick Roaring. There he was. How'd that look? <laughs> it looked like a guy was going, hey, can I get in here? It's not looking good. Camera adds pounds, you know. Oh, it did. Uh, yeah. I don't think that was me. I think that was the camera. It's so a giant balloon head that popped in. Um, here's, here's the story behind that. 
when it's Byron Larkin bobblehead night in the Centaur Center and Byron Larkin taps you on your thigh and says, see what he's saying, talking about the ref coming over the broadcast booth, you lean your head in and you see what he's saying. It's a good call. And you deliver it to Byron. And Did, uh, did he give you some credit on the broadcast? No. Uh, oh, come on, man. In, in fairness, my response was, oh, no, I couldn't hear what he said. <laughs> I got my mug on TV. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I'm on TV, though. No, I actually thought it was actually pretty When I watched it, I'm like, that's pretty good hustle on Rick's part. He's going to find this out, tweet it out, and be, be the first to report it. Yeah. Man, it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't quite that way. No. Not how it worked out. No, I just, it was a, it was a complete uh, 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 double take when I saw you pop your head in there. I had a, I had a text or two on my phone. I bet that. you did. Yeah. People people with, with laughing emojis. I, people the seem to like it, to give they? me uh, some crap. The ladies loved it, didn't they? It wasn't ladies texting me, unfortunately. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, That's it really the problem. is. It really hey, is. A little FaceTime doesn't hurt you. It's no. a good thing. It's always a good thing. I'll take it. And the great part is you're on TV enough in this market, people go, I've seen that. That, that is, uh, is that Brent? That's Brendel. That's who that is. That's Brendel. That's the Brendel guy. <laughs> Rick Boring. Yeah. Nerd. Nerd. That's boring. That's boring. Rick Boring. That's, that's a Creighton fan. That's it. What a douche. Nerd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully the Omaha Steaks will be coming your way here at some point. Uh, this <laughs> Omaha. Right on it, baby. Red 18. Red 18. <laughs> Go for it. Omaha. Uh, good wow. stuff. All right, boys. We'll be back on Sunday Super night. Super Bowl picks. Um, I'm going Atlanta 31-27. I'm going Patriots 49-21. Patriots 35-31. And the only prop bet I'll give you is take the over in the Super Bowl or in the uh, in the national anthem time. Who's be singing it? I don't know. It'll, it'll, it'll Just go take over. the over. Just take the over. It's Just always over. Take Tom Brady whipping it out in front of Roger Goodell and swinging it a few times. That's the part. I, that's the only reason I want the Patriots to win. I, 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 I want to see. I wanna, it, it's like the Al Davis back in the days when he was fighting uh, Pete Rozelle and Pete Rozelle having to say, here's a trophy for a wonderful coach. And he's hand, looking at Al Davis and a one, wonderful team. Sure, great. Yeah, see you guys. I'm off the stage. Have yeah. a good one. I'm going to my friend's house to drink beer, eat snacks, and see that trophy get handed over. I don't care about anything else would, to do with that game. I would agree, but you want that trophy being handed over to... <laughs> the Patriots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if the Absolute Falcons win, I won't Lutley. watch the post. Well, well, Arthur Blank will just dance. He'll just do some stupid dance, and it'll look bad. It'll, yeah. look, it'll look very old white guy. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, I don't think you do either. All right, boys, we're back Sunday night, Monday morning with another podcast. Have a great weekend.